Hello, this is The Tribe Stories, the curated sermons, conversations, and collections of poetry of the Tribe Lagos. May this refresh and revive you as you listen. If you go to Colossians 1 verse 13 to 16, let's read that. Colossians was actually giving us the mystery, something there that has always been hidden, that when the Bible speaks of Jesus and Christ, there are two dimensions, right? So there is Jesus, Christ, in union, right? The anointed one and his anointing. So if I said the anointed one and his anointing, right, it speaks of the, Christ is actually the anointed one and the anointing. But do you want to read for us Colossians 1, 13 to 16? Okay. KJV. Mm. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness mm. and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, mm. in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, mm. who is the image of the invisible God, mm. the firstborn of every creature. So let's pause there. So let's, let's pick some things. Uh, let's take it one by one, right? So let's take it off from the top again. Who has be, take it, just who had delivered us okay. from so, the power of darkness? So there is something here that happened. There is this Nadio, not P, deliverance, right, from the power of darkness. Yes. So establish there is a deliverance that happened to the human race in salvation. Let's next. And has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So guess what? The kingdom is called what? kingdom of his dear son. No, keep in mind the, the words because God doesn't waste words, right? He's very, he's, he has an economy of words. His words carry weight. That's why he said, consigning the words of my mouth, mm. command Jimmy, because he knows that the words carry weight. So he called it the kingdom of his what? Dear son. Okay, the kingdom. So there's a kingdom to which we've been translated into of his dear son. So this is not necessarily my kingdom. It's not, he didn't even say the father's kingdom. Right, he said the kingdom of his dear son. Now, understand it. If God has said the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Father, it's also right, but it means something else. But he was deliberate about the choice of words. He's the kingdom of his dear son. God read, read. In whom we have redemption. Where do you get your redemption? In the son, the dear son. In the something, you know, in the son. Yes. So your redemption is actually in Christ. Mm-hmm. Right? There is that. Your redemption is in Christ. Keep reading. Through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Yeah. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? Okay, so we see that he's the image of the, the invisible God. Invisible God. So here, the mystery of this gospel, the firstborn of what? Every creature. Hey, guy, honestly, do you know this thing? Uh, As preeminence. Yeah, <laughs> the firstborn of every creature. every creature. Now, there's something here that you and I have the law of first mention. The very first image of God was found in who? Adam. Adam. The very first image of God was actually found in where? Adam. Adam was made in the image and the likeness of God. So after the fall of man, the Bible speaks of the image of sets that a generation were now born, not necessarily after the image of God, but after the image. Image is a very strong word because we think image is picture. But image is actually speaking of something deeper than picture. The image of God is the essence and the substance of God, right? But let's not even unpack image right now. Let's just hold it for a bit and then keep thinking about it. So he says the kingdom of his dear son, the image of the invisible God. So what we find here that Adam was made in the image of God and Adam fell and Christ became the revealed image of God. 
So it's just something of Christ. And the, the, the scripture calls Christ the second Adam. The Adam. second and last Adam. The second and the last Adam. Right? The second and the last Adam. So what we're seeing there was... Keep reading. Verse 16. Mm. For by him were all things created. Okay, pause. Now, we see something that is actually deeper than what we were told. We were actually told that, right, this second man, this image, mm. predates Adam. Mm -hmm. That in fact, <laughs> Adam was made by Christ. Mm -hmm. That Adam was not, did not precede Christ. Mm. Adam was in Christ, made by Christ. Read it again. For by him were all things created. All things created. So everything that was ever created and Adam was created was actually created by Christ. Right? So hold that thought. Keep going. That are in heaven and mm -hmm. that are in earth. Mm -hmm. Visible and, and invisible. invisible. Mm -hmm. Whether they be thrones or dominions mm -hmm. or principalities mm -hmm. or powers. Mm -hmm. All things were created by him and for him. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the damages we've done to the gospel is to make Christ a, a, a let me say it carefully, is to make Christ a religion and to squeeze Christ into the box of religion. In fact, some people have committed more dangerous harm. They made him into a denomination and squeezed Christ into a denomination. Some people even did not only squeeze him, they squeezed him into a parish. <laughs> some people squeezed him into a pulpit. So if this is Christ for them, the God has spoken. But we see the gospel saying, no, 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 that this is, there's something here that everything was made by him and in him was all things made. So what we discover here was that the second man, the manifestation of God in flesh is Christ. The manifestation of God in flesh is Christ. In fact, Adam was actually Christ in his form. But the, the fall of Adam meant that, you know, two things, uh, only your kind can redeem you. So everything was made after their kind. Only your kind can truly redeem you. That was why bulls and rams were sacrificed for many years. Solomon did like a carnival of harvest. The guy took a thousand, was it a thousand this thing? A thousand burnt offering. The next day, the Lord said, you are still a sinner. Imagine wasting, burning 1,000 and you woke up to the Lord and the Lord said, Solomon, you have found one thing. But there is one blood that was shed and nothing, and for the rest of humanity, we were, it was stated that there is now no need for that because what the blood needed to do has already been done. The human race is forever forgiven. Christ did not forgive a few. That blood forgave because now, where are we? We are all in Christ. This kingdom of the, the kingdom of his dear son. So let me tell you the fact. The way Christ was in Jesus, the Bible said, that same, Paul actually said the same thing in Galatians 2.20, write it down. Paul was teaching, Paul said there is a mystery that happens. When you become born again, something dies, another thing is born on you. What dies is the Adam of man, and what comes alive is the Christ in you. So every man today carries within him two expressions. I was talking about it on Sunday. There is, Paul spoke about it like there's a tension in my spirit or in my life where there are some things I don't want to do. I end up doing that. And there are some things I want to do. Those two tensions, call it Adam and Jesus or Adam and Christ. Right? Adam now speaks of an operating system. Right? A way of thinking and a way of being. And Christ speaks of a way of thinking and a way of being. Paul says, now reckon yourself dead to sin. In Romans 6, he says, now reckon yourself dead to the ways of Adam. For he that is in Christ is what? A new creation. All things have passed away. Everything has become new. So here is the mystery. Jesus came to reveal Christ. Jesus Christ came to reveal Christ in you. So if you start to teach people, give your life to Christ, it's half the message. Giving your life to Christ is not the gospel. 
The gospel is that Christ gave his life to you. So the gospel is not the life you gave, but the one you have received. Now, if we start to dwell so much on the life you give, you are the author of your salvation. Because it is your giving that you are saved. But if you start to emphasize the life you have received, you are the beneficiary of salvation because you received the life that was given. It is not the life you gave that saves. It's the life you received that saves. Romans 8, 19 says, now, this, what, what did it even say? 8, 14, Romans 8, 14. That the same spirit, read it all, the same spirit that was in, in Jesus, right, has quickened your mortal bodies. So guys, this is where Christians are getting it wrong. Separation has told us that we need to pursue Jesus. That we need to focus on the message of Christ, of Jesus. But Jesus came to tell us that, yes, I am your prototype. There is a kingdom that God has established where all people will come into that kingdom. And in that kingdom, there's a new way of being human. In that way of being human, Christ is our prototype. So it's not about discovery, it's not about giving your life to Jesus, but Jesus coming alive in you. Get the point. It's not so much about giving your life to Jesus, but that Jesus has now come alive in you, in the person of Christ. Is this too hard a saying? So, what have you received? You received a life. The life of God, the vital. Christ is now your life. Paul is saying all that you are, Christ is in you, the hope of glory. So, can we now start talking about what it means to be one with Christ or Christ living his life through me? What we think we know is that we are living our life for God. But the gospel is not about us living our life for God. The gospel is about discovering that God is now living his life in you, through you. So God is the author of your salvation. God powers your life. You are the beneficiary. You are an expression of God in your form. So what it means is that all of us seated here is, is to be Christ. She's more in Christ. He's Martin's Christ. It's not so much that Jesus Christ alone is now Jesus Christ. No, he came to reveal Christ in every man. The gospel was saying, hey, wake up, guys. God in you, Christ has come. He said, this is you, Christ in you, the what? Yeah. The glory of a man is Christ coming alive in the man. The glory of a man is not so much about the man discovering Christ in the Bible. If you do that, it's only half the picture. Christ in the Bible was revealing Christ in you. So the ultimate expression of Christ was to come alive in every man. It was so that you and I will come from the place of Christ. The, Christ, the word Christianity is not, is not a diluted word. It means that you are no longer your own. You are one with God. That the life of Christ has found expression in your form. So he's Christ in his form. He's Christ in his form. He's Christ in his form. We are all unique expressions of Christ, no less. If it was true of Jesus, it's true of you. Jesus is not come to teach us what it is for him and not for us. Every time he did a miracle, they would ask him, Baba, how do you do it? He said, can't you see I'm showing you who you are? He's saying that I'm telling you that if I can do it, greater work shall you do. Like the gospel was not about you becoming subservient. It was taking you back home to where you belong, the God class. That you will forever never be lost. You are ever home. That everything that is true of Christ is true of you. If he could raise the dead, you will raise the dead. If he could speak to the sea, the wind and the wave and the hair, you will speak to the same elements of nature and it will answer. So if the gospel is anything less than making you fully Christ in your form, the gospel has lost its essence. For the plot of the gospel is not about you finding Christ in history, but as you discover Christ in history, Christ comes alive in you. The Bible was a pointer. The, <laughs> the Bible is a map. You are the territory. You are the territory. You cannot get frozen in just the encounter of other people in the Bible. What is your own encounter? 
Yes, so men did con- they conquered things. Paul, they did amazing work in, in Ephesus. What are we doing in Lagos? Apart from a pay raise. You understand? Like my point is, that's what it means, Christ in your form. What are we doing in God? The point is, they lived dangerously. John, those guys wrote about their experiences. Today we memorize scriptures of people writing intimate. Those were their diaries. What is in your diary? What is your own intimate experience of God? Can generations from now read Lagos 14.22? Oh, there was a lady called Fragile. A heart busted in love for God. And she spoke on the pulpit for 10,000 people. Her words were echoing through time in the pundits of the words that she was saying, this is my beloved, my beloved is mine. And this was it. And Christ in your form. Oh, there was a, there was a guy, you know, how do you call this one now? Najuma Luke verse 14. And the guy groaned. And then the whole Lagos came out life. What are you expressing? Because in you, God has found a way to be himself that he's nowhere else. If you are not a copy people, we deny God the authentic expression of himself in you. You are not meant to copy your God in your, your God's expression. Like you are God's purest expression. There's a way God can love Maureen that only Toby can meet it. God in Toby is loving Maureen the way Maureen needs to be loved. And Maureen is loving Toby, you understand? The point is that Martin is Toby's friend, but there is a way that Martin cannot meet Toby's understanding because there's a way God in him will serve him. So God in you is reaching out, loving others and serving others. But what I need you to establish here today, the mystery of the gospel, where we are coming into in the tribe, and what I think God is unfolding for us is a new gospel, not a new gospel, but the dimension of the gospel that has always been sonship. And in the sonship, this is what it is, kingdom of sons. And kingdom of sons is not kingdom of one son. It's that in that one son, all of us have found expression. That we are all sons like he is. The way the father loves Jesus, he has loved you. God doesn't love you less. The way Jesus had access to the Father, you now have access to the Father. In fact, you and I are participating in a love relationship between the Father and the Son. You're a nation of sons. And sons are not slaves. So Paul was warning us that, guys, be warned that when you get born again, you and I would think that we have escaped a culture that we once knew. But it's not that deep. There's an operating system that was long installed in you, long before you gave your life to Christ. The way you think is still pretty much going to really pro- remain that way. So you take thought captive, you renew your mind. Lost my last a little longer. Yet you speak in tongues. For some, it's an imminent separation. They just got delivered. No more lost. Clap for yourself. I may Lord give us that grace. But some of you, the loss took a while. Don't give up. So my point is, can we begin to imagine what the gospel means? That Christ is you. Christ is living his life in you. Christ has come to dwell in you. Christ is now finding expression in you. And can you give yourself the permission for Christ to express himself? Because the limitation to the expression of Christ is not Christ, it's you. Because you don't believe that he's in you, you are, not, you are denying the authentic expression of himself in you. Because you don't truly believe there is a son, you're still playing the slave card. One scripture, threatening scripture, told us something in the Old Testament, that there was this weird picture where there was, there was a horse riding. And guess what? they found a very funny contraption. In that picture of a horse, guess what was happening? The, the son, the prince, was wearing his princely garments. 
and he was walking. But the slave was wearing his slave mindset or his, his slave outfit. Guess what the slave was? He was riding the horse. And he was like, what's going on here? How can the prince who belongs to the horse is now the one trekking and the slave is now on the stuff? But don't forget that in union, we don't interpret those scriptures as two different people. Though. Both the slave and the prince, now you, the slave is the Adam of you and the prince is supposed to be the Christ of you. But you've allowed the slave mount the horse. So your thinking and operating system is still the pretty much a slave mindset. Slaves understand scarcity. The slave has no intention of functioning in abundance. He works for all he earns. A slave doesn't understand that there's something called grace. He earns everything he gets. So your mind is that I will work hard and hard enough. But trust me, there is the beauty of something called grace where you allow him to do what he needs to do. So when you allow that man to climb the horse, you will end up not in the place that you're meant to go. Some of us, our horses have been ridden by the slave part of us. That slave makes you beg, cry, manipulate, cheat. You will do everything to get it your way. That slave is not the real identity. So Jesus was talking about this in Matthew 16, right? He asked a very interesting question. He said, guys, for a second, who do men say I am? And I want us to ask that question. Who do men say you are? Who are you? If you define yourself, some of his disciples answered, oh, you are you're Simon by Jonas. He said, oh, yeah, nice. What about you? You're Jeremiah's. What about you? But I, I, I tend to think that you are David. You probably will be David. You look like David. Because they believe in reincarnation somewhat in that their culture. So they believe you're a comeback of some sort. They think John Baptist was Elijah comeback. They believe in that kind of a gospel, right? That kind of teaching. We're not going there today. But at the end of the day, my point is, he now said, put all those titles away. Now, who do you say? I'm now, let's pause for a second. The first answer was, people were giving him answer based on culture. And giving him answer based on what? Conversations. Then saying that Joseph, you be picking you be now. So I've told him, of course, you're the carpenter down the road, right? You make good furniture, Jesus. I have a stool from your, from, from your shop in my house. Thank you. What about you? Well, I'm a doctor. I really heal sick people. But last time you spit, are you, are you, are you a Dibia or are you a Juju man? Like he, there was a time he actually used saliva. Imagine you, since if, as Jesus as Jesus was, as Jesus as he was, he used spit and sand, put it, and the person's eyes open. You guys will leave that church. Like, my brother, we don't turn Babalao here. Like, who's going to praise the Lord in love? How oh, sorry, I'll be out of here. Because when you follow the form, you miss the substance. Right? So he told them, put away everything you think you know about me. Let me dial you back into who I am. And then Peter answered the answer. You know what Peter gave him? Peter brought us back here. This was what Peter said. Peter came back here. Peter said, no, thou art the son. Christ. Thou art the Christ. That's the son of, thou art the Christ. The son of the living God. But may I point it to you? May I suggest, not suggest, may I review? If I, may I categorically and emphatically state that Peter wasn't answering the, the, the identity of Jesus alone. He was revealing the identity of every man in that statement. That the true being of every man is Christ, the son of the living God. So our past cannot hold any claim to us anymore because the Christ has come alive in us. And if the same Christ that raised him from the dead, the one that created the entire universe has lived in you, the creative force of God is already your vital system. The same imagination that shapes this, the moon, the galaxies are like a gallery. The same mind that brought everything into form, God's imagination is beautiful. 
When you see nature, you fall in love. There are some breathtaking pictures today you can buy it for NFT. But it's a picture you just can't handle. You just see nature speaking, God is beauty. Because God is pure perfection. God is excellence. Right? My point is you see all of those beauty, but the truth is that you are perfection. Your father and you share the same thing. If he's beauty, you are beauty. He are beauty. But here comes Adam. Here comes um, Christ. The enduring call of every man is to journey from here to this. Salvation is discovering yourself here. The transportation of a mind of a man into the truth of his being. Hebrews 10 verse 22. I think it was 10, Hebrews 10, 22, 23, uh, 10, 22, 20, 20, 22. Can somebody read it for us? So this is what salvation is. Every man is journeying from here into this place. Now, you are here... The journey is a mind journey. It's not a spiritual, like you're, you're spiritually crafted and engrafted. In fact, there was a way, you know what they call engrafted? Who did agric? If you did agric, please unpack. So when they want to add another plant to the already existing plant, they cut it and they add it end to end. And normally they use like a rope and they tie it to the stem. And over time, it literally grows into union. that existing plant and it grows as if it came out from the ground, mm -hmm. just like that. Now, that is a weird picture that the scripture gave us as the mystery of the life of a man, of, a man in God. That your life has been engrafted into God. But that is a spiritual picture. But your mind needs to render that understanding. And the rendering, sometimes Nepal, they take light. You did 10%, you understand Nepal, those take light. So you're, you're stuck in 10% revelation. So you're still afraid of things, right? Okay, read that 10, Hebrews 10, but I think 20 to 22. Kabaye. By a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure okay, water. Okay, let's, let's pause. How did he describe it? By what? A, a new, new and living way. Yeah. A new and living way. So your life in Christ, salvation is a reintroduction to the life that you once had in Christ from the beginning of time before the world told you who you were not. It was a reintroduction. So Christ was the real place we belong. Every, every creature, every human was actually in Christ. And separation from the idea that you are not in Christ, what led to the fall? What was the last lie the devil told Adam? Oh, you know, you'll be like God. In trying to be who he already was, he fell because he first believed he was not. So what do you believe? You're not. You're not good enough. You're not worthy of his love. You are not the type of person that God should care about. You know, the world in Adam loads us with unworthiness. So we be, if we begin from that culture, that's why I'm telling you that if your paradigm of success is still the script of Adam, you will never know when you get to the bus stop. In fact, you will run yourself, born out to become a badge of honor. Because everything around you will tell you that the, more, the harder you work, the more you succeed. And life will become nothing but just an endless chase. I'm going to start one of the series recently I'm working on called The Rat Race. And The Rat Race is actually 
when a, when a collection of, when, a, when a people have lost their Christness, they end up in the essence, in pursuing, trying to use other things to replace the Christ essence. When you don't live from your Christ, you never live well. Because your Christ is your completion. Your Christ is abundance. Your Christ is actually the perfect place to live. So everything outside Christ is a hustle. You don't have to hustle identity. You understand? You don't have to hustle scarcity. Because everything outside Christ is scarcity. Abundance is who you are. Now let's see the picture of, we're using the picture of this guy, Abraham. So let's look at Genesis 17. You know, a bit of a read. Um, guys, even, even Abraham had transitioned. <laughs> Abraham left Adam. You guys think you were the first born again? You see that one guy got a glimpse of what is to come. So let's see. Let's read from Genesis 17. Sonorous voice. Okay, Matthias, you have the mic. Yeah. Okay. Sonorous. Whatever that means. <laughs> Sometimes just a nice English. No, let's take it from verse 1. Okay. So this is the backdrop. A lot has happened in the life of Abraham leading up to this point. Abraham suffered the biggest disappointment of his life, right? I want us to pay attention to these things. Guys, please, everybody, read your Bible. Let's open your Bible. Open your app. Let's just gaze together so that, you know how we do it on Wednesdays? We'll ask what jumps at you. So I'm going to ask what is jumping at you, Martins. Okay. Um, let me read the message or the KJV. Anyone. Okay. <laughs> um, I'll do the KJV. And when Genesis 17. Genesis 17, verse 1. And when Abraham was 99 years old and 9, sorry, 90 years old and 9, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abraham but thy name shall be called Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee, and I will make thee exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant. Okay, let's pause there. Guys, what, what, what stood out for you? Anybody here? What stood out for you? Hmm? Okay, what's, what stood out for you is walk before me. All right. Who else? Eh? The context of the working. Holy and blameless. Hmm, beautiful. All right, so we are here. Where would they? So, we're in Christ, but... We are sons. Son of God is the brand of God. <laughs> All right. Okay, so work before me, right? Here, one. Working before, work before me. Who else? What, what stood out for you? Okay, what's verse five? Now, that is significant. His name goes from what? Abraham. In fact, uh, this for me is heavy. We'll talk about it for a second. What else? 
Honorable, this is the most union you've ever been. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. That was, that was a good one. That was a good one. That was a good one. Because the declaration of the gospel comes to introduce us to what God has done. Remember, God had done one covenant with Abraham one day. This covenant, Abraham, God put Abraham to sleep. And the deal was that God was supposed to walk his path. And Abraham was going to walk his path. Abraham slept all through. God walked his path and walked on, Abraham, on behalf of Abraham. So what it means is that God paid Abraham's price and God accepted God for Abraham. Yeah. That's what salvation is on a level. That salvation, the mystery of salvation is that Christ enacted it for God. Christ chose God for us. God chose us in Christ. So you and I are beneficiaries of a choice. We just are waking to a choice that has been made for us. Our choosing is only a realization that we are chosen. Okay, guys, what else? How did he go from Abraham to Abraham? Something happened that enacted this story. What was that thing that happened that moved him from Abraham, Abraham to Abraham? Can you guys should come here? Come here, it's close, it's close. Give. Guys, keep reading. What stood out for you? Lawrence. <laughs> Lord, if you see that, you're going to put it on a t-shirt. If you see what we're about to say. <laughs> so, it's, it's, it's as though God is saying, it's your walking before me that makes you perfect. Okay, good point. But I haven't gotten there. Who is going to take me there, guys? Someone take me there or we don't go home tonight. I have made you a father of many nations. I have made you. I have made you a father of many nations. Not like I will make you, but as deep as that was, that's not where we're going. <laughs> More... She got it. What happened here? Covenant. 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 See, uh, what took him from here to here is a covenant. The question I'll ask you, how is salvation a covenant? Anybody? No, this one is a conversation because even me, I never process her. <laughs> so I never process her. But how is salvation a covenant? And what, let's talk about the nature of covenant. Understand? No, you you learn. Okay, um, you know this this is one um, um, contentious subject also amongst Christians. Mm. Some people say we are in covenant with God, and some others say no, we are not in covenant with God. And I belong in that part. I don't see that we are in covenant with God because mm -mm. I didn't do any agreements. Mm -mm -mm. My blood was not shed. Mm. So it's a covenant. But like you said initially, we are the beneficiaries. So the covenant of Abraham, the Jews were the ones enjoying it. Now God cut a covenant with Jesus as us, with himself. So he paid, he played all the parts involved, but there was blood involved, but we are the ones that benefit. Bam. Just by accepting it. Okay, good point. More. I, I love that perspective, right? Uh, because there is actually a covenant element. Yes. But it's not so much about you making the covenant, but realizing a covenant that has been made for you. So, so the, covenant, the covenant child, yeah. I know what I'm saying now. The I'm not covenant, saying as they, as the covenant is not so much between um, you and God, but a God and Christ in which you have not entered. Let me give you a picture. This is a symbol of my, with this ring, I did word. Right? So Lily and I have a covenant. We have a covenant. But 
does Kaima have a covenant with us, with me? Are you seeing a dimension of the ring? Okay, guys, let me give you a picture. Before we started this evening, I told them that many times when you think of God, God reveals himself like a multi-sided diamond. And that every picture, every side of the diamond is a brilliant, gives you a certain revelation of him. So that sometimes you turn into the, you see a father. Sometimes you turn, you see a friend. Sometimes you turn, you see a king. Sometimes you turn, you see a, 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 a yeah, like God constantly reveals himself. The, the face of the diamond is not static. It keeps evolving. And guess what? The diamond is everything to you whenever you need it. So the day you want a, a lover, the diamond reveals itself as a love. The day you want a friend, you can, your gossip partner, your gossip girl, the diamond comes like that. You understand? So guess what? In this particular conversation, we said we know we are in a relationship with God that sometimes the Bible reveals as a, as a father-son and sometimes as a bridegroom, right? But in this particular picture, see what the see what of the mysteries of the gospel is that there is a covenant established between Lily and Ferdy. And Kaima became the progenitor of that relationship in such that Kaima does not necessarily need to have a covenant with me because the covenant I have with his mom, he's now covering him. He's not an illegitimate child, he's legit. Stand, legit. And for the records, we look alike. <laughs> Let's not even try to talk about that, right? <laughs> Guys, so as legit as it is, you know, these days you have to be very excited. <laughs> as this, as conical flax shape this head has been, I'm giving everybody, receive here your conical flax. So, at the end of the day, guys, um, the point is that the day Kaima comes to be telling me, Daddy, I need to have a covenant with you because you know I need to be sure that the wealth is mine. Boy, that's not what they're talking about. Yeah. Something is a means. The spirit of the Father has not settled into him. That's why Paul was speaking one day in Rome. He said, no, may the spirit of the father possess us. He said, when the spiritual man is that, once the spirit of the father possesses you, you know what you shout? Abba, father. Father, father I have a daddy. I have a daddy. You understand? You have a daddy. So this is what it is. He doesn't work to earn my approval because what it means is that he already has been approved in his father's love. He's not trying to earn his mother's affection. That would not be father. He's already accepted in the beloved. I know this is not the experience for most of us growing up because our parents, like I told Nigerian parents, try it, Nigerian parents, you know, pressure. Nigerian parents are very Adamic in love. It's a conditional love affair. Your love to the extent to which you confessed. Your love to the extent to which you jam jam. If you are jam by jam, I've been seeing the way you're wasting around here, spending time on mirrors and fashion and makeup. You see why you didn't pass your jam? Are you seeing what you're doing to your life? I've told you guys, I'm sorted. I have my retirement. <laughs> if anybody wants to become a mechanic, go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, I would not, I, I mean, nobody will come and worry me. My old age, I'm all fear. But see what the gospel says. There is a covenant relationship between the father and the son. So salvation is an awakening to this realization of the covenant. But guess what happens in that encounter? When you come into the realization of a covenant that's been made for you, one of the benefits of your salvation experience is a name change. And guys, that name may not be Maureen to Momo. It may not be Ifamato Ifi. So that way around. 
that name is a spiritual content. It's that there is a name above all names to which you now have become a part of. It's not so much about a name change of first name basis. It's a name change of last name basis. The son name of that name is Christ. That was how Jesus ended up with Jesus Christ. Because he became the first actor, the first enactor. So what it means is that you have a new name in salvation. Abraham went from Abraham to Abraham. And that, that now Abraham was just a symbol of a last name. That was why I love that song we wrote for Lavish. Like, there is no turning back from this love I've found. There is no, whatever, yeah, that part. That, uh, uh, that shame was my story, but now I have a last name. You were given a last name. And that last name, have you seen, you know, they said, Dangote, they find money. The name is powerful, but it's still hustling. <laughs> still hustling. The anime fair is not quite, but we are. Do you know, I've always told you guys, expand your understanding of wealth. If wealth is reduced to cash, you'll be poor. See, wealth is not, there are many poor men with cash. Cash is actually not the symbol of wealth. You understand, it's called currency, just keep moving. The wealthy man has all things, even if he has nothing. Because that which he is produces that which he needs. When you know the who you are, the force of nature, everything will attract to you. The wealthy man is the person of value. So wealth flows his direction. Right? Wealth flows. So can you wake up? Don't, it's not to chase money. It's to awaken to your sense of identity. Money will chase you. Yes. Do you know, have you guys today, do you know, I went to give a speech. Oh. It's one very it's serious speech. Yes. <laughs> serious speech. Scatterly principle. Said a few, said a few, said a few, one or two controversial things, but I, I am loved. I am loved. But the point is that, brother, I, after I sort of got really, really good reception, and then before long, I started having different conversations. I just feel myself, yeah, so tell me, what's the problem? Oh, amazing. Oh, partnership? Hold on for a second. Um, what about you? Please, this is not for you guys, right? Share the card, share the card, right? It was a good feeling. You understand? Um, and some people were farming around me, you know, wanting my last name. <laughs> it got shocking in a open wheel. It opened the wheel. To God be the glory. Said, I thought we had things. <laughs> okay. But really, you have a last name now. It's salvation. If you don't see yourself in the context of your new family, you would forever try to end a family or, be, or approval from the world. The family to which you belong, it's, we read it from Revelation 5 verse 22, verse 12. The Bible gave us a, a scope of all that Christ has rescued from us. So all of Paul's letter, this was the mystery Paul was talking about. Paul eh, unpacked it. He kept saying, you have been translated. There is a family to which you belong. Oh, you are a royal priest. You say you are heirs of a better thing, of a better promise. You are co-heirs with Christ. He was saying the promise that was with your heirs of, Matthew, you know scripture, your heirs of, of a better promise. You are co-heirs with Christ because you are now a beneficiary of something. Now come to life with an inheritance consciousness. Because of this, you know what inheritance consciousness means? The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. No, and let me tell you the facts. You know, I told you guys one book I was reading. The man said something so powerful. He said, the, the number one law of success is to believe that you're worthy of success. Yeah, he said the number one law is to believe. And what is salvation? You are worthy. 
of God's approval. So even everything around you is now in union, right? Covenant is actually a, is, is actually a symbol of union because in the covenant between, the, between God and Abraham, there was an exchange of life. After that, there was a circumcision. Adam Abraham goes into circumcision. But if you look at the context of Abraham's life, why was there a need? Abraham was how old here? 99. 99. Okay, let's go to the last chapter of 16. The last verse of the, of the previous chapter. The last verse of the previous chapter. Yeah. What are you guys seeing there? You know, see, see, 16, chapter 16 was Abraham's law. And Abraham was four score and six years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abraham. Okay, so if you take it from verse chapter one, Abraham had been encouraged by his wife to take a side chick. It was his wife's idea that day. Right? But things didn't go down well because it turns out that Hagar was the kind that you touch as she gets pregnant. You know that story. Don't be touched. That our parents told us. So Abraham, a, a guy was quite going on. It was just a touching. And the next thing we saw, Sarah wasn't expecting it to be that quick. I actually, I have a theory, guys. Now, guys, please, nobody should come for me. This theory is just me saying, could it possibly be that because there were, there were no fertility tests, Sarah wanted to check if Abraham was okay? And in that moment, it went, the experiment. So I didn't say Bible study. I said it's just a thought. Right? Because, guys, the next, the next, the next, the next, the next, the next surprise, the, the surprise that happened was the moment a guy became pregnant, Sarah couldn't handle it now. You understand? She was like, no, no, no. In fact, she was, Abraham, could it be that you guys were onto something long before I suggested it? Because I must have seen the way you look when she passes. Okay. Right? And, and Abraham quickly built that. Abraham said, well, she's your maid. Maybe you should make a decision on how this is going to work out. Like, that Abraham was feeling himself. <laughs> Babe. <laughs> at, at this point, I can just, whatever you, babe, you, you know, it's, it's, all, it's there. <laughs> I, I, can, I can just say that. We got it going on, right? So, yeah, I'm, just, I'm going to let you make the decision. There is more from where that came. And, man, it's been many years coming. But this something's cause called the Confusers. What's the version that gave us the real age? So, he was 86. 86. Now, please, 99 minus 86. There was a 13 years unaccounted for. We went from 86 to 99. But what could have happened in that 13 years of watching Ishmael grow? What could have happened in that 13 years of Abraham coming to an end of himself? Now, he's gotten the child that, you know, he used to say, will I have a child that was going to come by me? Right? And that was still not the promise. The, what changed Abraham's life wasn't even the birth of a child. It was a realization. It was the entrance of a covenant, a new consciousness that you already are accepted in your father's love. The meaning of Abraham, Ham is not just the father of nation, but that Ham is actually a Hebrew, yeah, it's a breath word. It's actually a symbol of a person that God has come to dwell in. 
So it was actually a unionification of itself. It's a warning. Not warning. It's a O-N-E-I-N-G. You know that word? I've not seen it. Warning. Yes, it's one less warning. Like the two have truly come to come to, to that place. So this is what it is. That your salvation, everything about Abraham's life started to take this shape. First of all, he realizes now that there is a need for a name change that impacted on Sarah. Sarah too also had to step up. Yeah. Right? I don't know what Viagra the guy took after that covenant. But that night, great was the supply. And we're going to see the promise of the Lord fully fulfilled. But guys, salvation today has been reduced to a sinner's prayer. But salvation was way more than a sinner's prayer. Salvation was participating in what Christ and his Father did for the entire human race. Salvation was realizing your inclusion in the love of the Father. Salvation was becoming fully legal in the Father's promise. All men are chosen, but not all men are legal. Because what becomes a legal in inclusion is your, your knowing that you have it. So what is this in our salvation? What is in the covenant? So let's talk about the nature of covenant. Martins, anybody else? Can you unpack the nature of covenant? For me, I know you're a lawyer. So you can give us, agreement comes close. But agreement is a cheap, it's not so, it's not so cogent. But we can use it. Adisa, you're actually a, you're a lawyer too. I know that. I know that part. Let's get. Let's have a safe landing. Should it not go well? So yeah, I kind of study law. Yeah. yeah, but no. This is just in a general sense now. In a general sense, just any any contribution. It will be a contract of two parties, right? Stating the terms. Now, what is the type of now in a particular covenant? There are terms of arrangement. Now, the terms of your covenant is actually found in the, in when you read it, right? And it's, um, in fact, one of the words the Bible used to describe, the, 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 it's called a, sometimes they even use the word scroll. Revelation gave us a picture of this agreement between God and Jesus that was signed on behalf of man. You know, have you heard of Aburi? No, no, we can't use Aburi. Please, let's do something else. Let's do something else that worked. Yes, a what? Give me a scripture that speaks to this picture. Yes, Galatians 4 verse 1 gives us that. The, the promise already the child's own, but the child is not assessing it because he hasn't come to age. So could it be that you're broke because you don't have the maturity for... I'm just saying. Yes, now. You know, that question I can used to ask us every day that we are wealthy, your abundance, abundance. Where is the abundance? <laughs> <laughs> every day I have all things, I have all things. Where is the all things? So this picture says that the, the all things are there. Baba shall never quite know how to unlock it. So it's, the Bible calls this covenant a will. And what is, so what we enter into with the covenant between Jesus becomes a will to us. So it's not a covenant at our level, it's a will at our level. It's a covenant at the signee and the signer. Mm -hmm. 
but it's a will at our level, right? Now, what is a will? A will is a written testament, right? Now, in that will, it's your father's heart revealed. It's not so much about, although some nights, you know, some men don't carry their, their own will, they don't put condition. If you don't marry at 30, it will not be your own. If you don't return to Nigeria, forget the house. <laughs> they will just put condition to lure their children back. I would have told you guys we're supposed to return after masters. That's how you've done 10 years there. That house in Ikoi is conditioned upon your return. Full relocation with no excuse or else forfeit it. That's not how God's will was. That one a man will say, so can we leave all those broken wheels we've seen? Let's even think about the will that was, that was written for us because salvation is actually you understanding and working from that redemptive benefit. So what is in the will between God and Christ? The scriptures is replete with, scriptures replete with all of these ideas. There is a will between God and Christ that covers all of humanity. What is, just give me one, one, one thing in that will that you know. Righteousness. Ah. Righteousness. But how does righteousness come? So the question now, that how does righteousness come, come to us in, in Christ? It comes by our, it has already been appropriated. It comes by our accepting it. So we've been made righteous, not with our contribution. So righteousness is not morality. Morality can actually be the fruit of it. It can be, the, it can be a, a, a byproduct, but it's not, the, it's not the, 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 the means. So what it means is that the salvation tells us in that tenet, it was written, you've been made righteous. Christ had made unto us our righteousness, our consecration, right? So what it means is that you have been made righteous. Now, if you go around in your entire life pretending you're not righteous, no be Christ Duomo. It's bad teaching. There's no more that. Please, right? So at the end of the day, <laughs> no, they're just wearing the shirt. See it there. I am righteous. Just stand, stand, stand. Order your copy. Order your copy. Give me my coat. That's my 10%. You know, I'm an agent now. Can we understand what we do about that? 10%, that's all we need. So at the end of the day, guys, righteousness is imputed. So don't let the lies of bad teaching deny that you already are made righteous because declaration of righteousness over your life is not based on you doing it. It's based on what has been written in tenets on what Christ did. It was credited based on it. In your will, you are declared righteous. Not by anything you did. Not by anything you failed to do. So whether sin of omission, sin of commission, cancel. Omission, commission, you are made righteous. The day you walk in the consciousness of a righteousness, you see righteousness come out of it. It's you don't stay enough in your righteousness. So in your diary, you must have to catalog the things that are speaking to you. Now what's another thing in this thing? Eh? What's another one in this agreement, in this will? There is wealth, but what said what, what is wealth? What is how is the wealth? What's the, what's the nature of the wealth? 
Material, I need material. Good. What else? If he? A cattle and a thousand hills. Beautiful. More? Okay, children, we sit there on wealth. <laughs> Let's not move so quickly. So, the, the Bible speaks of the wealth. It says, for Christ, you know, it says that Christ would, would meet our, uh, Philippians 4.9, how did he say it again? 4.19. No, my God, no, we did 19, no. Yeah, yeah. I, my God shall supply. Now, guys, you know what we've been reading? Somebody please remind me how we used to say it in school. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. Read that thing, you know. Nobody wrote that thing in talk. He was not will supply all my needs. He was one who need. That God shall supply all my need. Now, how come Paul was saying there is only one legit need in the life of a man? That legit need is to know what is in the will. Your only need is to know what is the will because all that is needed is in the will. The needs are met in the will. So your real need is to know what has been met in the will. So at the end of the riches comes to us not at our own cost but at his expense. According to his riches in glory by Christ. Now what is the scope of the wealth? He says, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. It has not entered into the heart of man. So can you make room for the unimaginable? Can you create from the unimaginable, can you really trust that God is breaking the limitations and scaling your, your imagination? Make room for the unimaginable. Right, so if he's saying that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, why are you following Lagos? Because eyes have seen now. Ears have heard already. You don't cast. Yes, that. Just don't let that one become your paradigm. Now, give me another one, another context in this thing. So salvation comes as a package. We've been unpacking it for a while. So what you do in your mind is to meditate on the package of salvation until that thing becomes your consciousness. If the package of salvation is not imputed in your consciousness, you'll be running like a slave. Now, what about forgiveness? What was this tenet, the will, what was written in the will about forgiveness? Did he say, I'll give you, I'll forgive you a few? I'll give, I'll give you some. The one you committed before you were born, that's a weird one. The one you committed before you gave your life to Christ? Yes, past. What he said, past, present, future, forgiven. Can you show up knowing you're forgiven? Yes, 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 yes. And if you're forgiven, can you now extend forgiveness to everybody else? Because the proof of the forgiveness you have received is the extension of forgiveness to others. But you know the hardest forgiveness? Self. Some people have not forgiven God. Some people have not forgiven themselves. But trust me, your life will change when you understand that you're forgiven. I don't care whether you raped. I know this is a tough one. But the Bible did not tell them that for the rapist, this they passed out on this one. I know we have cases, they go to jail. And then the law will deal with them. But I wish the Bible itself, this gospel comes too dangerously, too too sweet. Even the declaration to the rapist is that you're forgiven. Our law cannot handle it. Because we need to, you understand? But the gospel in itself sounds so dangerously true. Now, even to the murderer, the forgiveness didn't say, for those who have murdered. You have to first. No, no, to those who have murdered, you are for, forever damned. Cancelled for life. Cancelled on earth. Cancelled in heaven. No, the Bible didn't say cancel. You know what it said to the murderer? 
Ah, they are forgiven. You know, my little cousin was killed about um, last month. A guy hit them, hit him, crushed him. You understand? And when we went over, there was so much pain. You understand? Police have already have caught the man. So we were not supposed to decide. Half of the family wanted a case. That he has to go to court. We have to deal with this thing. He has to go to jail. So the other half were just tired. Will he bring him back? Police were already, you know, family. Full. DPO, DPO, please come, come, come. So the, what we are doing now is that there will be, an, there will be a check of his, um, his, his breath, whether he was drinking. We also check his brain, whether he was normal. So these things are important. Like it, my point was the pain was still there. And imagine the mother said, ah, I'm not, I don't want a kiss. She was tired. And she's hurting, right? But she, was, she recognized the gospel enough to just extend forgiveness. Tough. Tough. The point is, I wish I would tell you that forgiveness helps. It does more damn to those who even hold it than to those who it's held for. The gospel comes forgiven. And the nature of this God's forgiveness in the will, you know what he said? <sighs> he said, I have forgiven you all your trespasses, both past, present, and future. And he said, there are no conditions. He says, God keeps no record of wrongs. You know, our relationships will be very different if we extend this tenets of salvation to the way we live. What about if we choose to believe that people are truly righteous. What this means is that the way God sees the best of us, can we extend that grace to see the best in people? You know, sometimes your last relationship, you kill the guy or the girl. You saw their flaws, you magnified it. That lady that told us on Sunday that her greatest fear is marrying the wrong man. You know what she has, you know what's dealing with that thing? There's a belief inside that good men know they. Of course, the likes of Fred is gone, but it's okay. There's Isaac. <laughs> no, but guys, if you, fund, if you believe that error, that there are no good men in Lagos, you've hanged around the very wrong people. Try boys who change it for you. Somebody can I get an amen? Yeah. Guys, I hope, I hope the prophecy is true. I hope the prophecy is true. Well, guys, let's not get into that now. But the thing again is, is that um, let's give ourselves room to let the salvation of God extend. You know, sometimes when we become too sensitive is because somewhere along the line we expect too much from people. No, Jesus doesn't want us to expect. He said he knows them. He didn't give himself to men. He said he knows them. So he loved though, but he didn't expect. What about if we show up and love without expectations? Uh, I don't know if I'm there. <laughs> I don't know, we can't say it, right? But I know that if I'm, as I'm thinking it now, like, ah, oh, this one, Lord, whoever is for run with it, the one of God is not there yet. But what about if we choose to love unconditionally? Yeah. See, God keeps no record of wrongs. That means you, the person borrow your charger that night, car and go house, not left it in the house and came to work and say, I thought I gave you now. I must have given you. I check your drawer. You were helping you look for a child that was left and left at home. And the next day, what if you keep no record of wrongs? 
truly, what if you keep no record of wrongs? What if you choose to? You know, one thing that kills our relationship faster is the record of wrongs. Yeah. That is actually very little. You just want small mistakes. Say, that's what you did in 1999. 2005. I remember. You know, some of our parents, we grew up with the house. So, 1980, 14 February, the night we got married, your mother knocked on my door. I said, tell me again, what did you do to my son? Record of wrongs. In 1999, I read in your phone, honey, where are you? And it wasn't, it wasn't me that sent it. Record of wrongs. I borrow money, you never pay. You won't come borrow another one. Okay, we are stretching it though. We are stretching it though. Let's not stretch it though. Okay, you have a question. Okay, let's take a few questions. They carry your vote and stole your mandate. We'll discuss that in the court of law. Okay, let's take a few questions. I can. It's you know, it's, we call it question and response. Um, so I have a question. Um, how do we navigate like present day time with being Christ-like and forgiving? Because there are tendencies of human beings and we forgive and people do take advantage of us as people. So how, okay, what is it? How would a 21st century Christian navigate through the world as is forgiving not keeping records of wrongs how 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 is that supposed to play out I'm the, quite interested quite frankly I think the the 21st century Christian has found a way it doesn't seem like the gospel way anyway just mental health <laughs> no but you know honestly guys quite, quite frankly if somebody tells you really that this thing is mental health stress. Eh? You have your limit too. The love of God is saying don't have your boundaries. Because some people have traumas. They are dangerous. No, you have to have your boundaries. So my point is, it's not about, it's not a boundary that you put out of fear. It's a boundary you put with wisdom. So wisdom is our defense. So to love without wisdom is to be vulnerable. But wisdom comes to tell you that this is the time. You know, some people will just be trying to program you. Have you seen somebody ask you one day? Somebody was trying to ask me something. The Holy Spirit has already told me. Right? I just knew that I was not supposed to say yes. There was no reason why I should not say yes. I just said no. And I saw the tension. You understand? Because the, I, honestly, and I was having a good time. <laughs> what, a, what beauty when the Holy Spirit whispers. You know? I reasoned. The person wanted to... Okay, we'll take your question. So guys... I know we're called to respond in love, but I know from fact that you also have to recognize the fact that even the person you're trying to bring into your space may be dealing with issues beyond their own capacity. So, so there, is, there is no point you, if you can't, if you know you genuinely don't have the capacity, the gospel is not grace saying, you have all, go and face the, the wolves. You understand? Like if you know, it's, it's not wise to even know that a guy is, is, is hitting on you. I have visited him at 10 o'clock. 
boundaries, you understand? Because you don't give rats fish to keep. You understand? Boundaries. So the point again is walk in love, but let wisdom be your defense. It's The Spirit of God is actually given to us to regulate us. We are not a city without walls, yet we don't have walls. We are building bridges, not walls, but yet we are called to work in wisdom. So wisdom will tell you when to pull in, when to go out, when to abide, when to give. Okay? Can we live with that? Can we live with this answer? Can we live with this answer? Oh yeah, good, good, good. Guys, I told you guys. Next. Good evening, everybody. <laughs> good evening. I know we are forgiven. Mm. Yeah? Mm. But when, when we are praying, we should say, God, forgive me for my sin. Oh, okay, not everybody. Well, I'm saying that, I'm saying that sometimes we still do that. Is there, sometimes I know that I'm forgiving. Sometimes it just happens like, no, God, forgive me. Is, is, there, is, that, is, is there a balance between that and... So oh, let, let, let me speak on two levels. Yeah. I'll speak on theology, I'll speak on therapy. Right? On the theological basis, right, you're forgiven by God even before you sinned. You understand? So it's not so much that now when you talk and God change in mind. He has already made up his mind that you're forgiven. Now, at the point of you praying that prayers of forgiveness, it's more therapeutic for your mind. And I don't hit that off the table. Some people, they don't do. You understand? And they don't know that they need to say it. So, if you're saying it is therapy, the gospel comes with therapy. You understand? I am forgiven. I am forgiven. Thank you, Lord, for I am forgiven. It's also therapy for your mind. It's not so much that, okay, although some, there's a way you can pray, oh, Lord, please, I'm begging you, this will be my last time. Lord, please forgive me. Now, that prayer day, but that prayer is a bit, it's, it's 2,000 years too late. You understand? That prayer is 2,000 years late. What we are saying is that, if you genuinely, the point again is that there is the, the, one, of the, one of the demands of the gospel is that even in our freedom we are led. So sometimes you realize that while you're praying is because the Spirit is telling you not something you need to forgive, not, not necessarily asking God for forgiveness, but asking another for forgiveness. So you just realize that, okay, is there somebody in the picture that you need to honestly say, I think I didn't like the way I screamed at you. I think I didn't like the way I shouted at you. I think I didn't like the way I was rude to you. I think I would have treated you differently or better. Because the gospel brings us into community and says what you do with the other person is what you've done unto me. So the forgiveness that, yes, if you feel the desire in your heart to pray, don't knock it off the table, but recognize that you're forgiven. That your father forgave you long before you even uttered a word asking him for a forgiveness. So you live in forgiveness, but it doesn't give you the license to be hurting everybody else. You understand? That is now a challenge. People should understand that the forgiveness you're forgiven is because God wants you to live free from hate. And then the forgiveness we have received, forgiveness we freely give. Right? Yeah, I just wanted to ask, you know, um, accent sort of contributes because this forgiveness you're speaking about, I also feel like there's a place for repentance and it will tie to what Pastor Toby spoke about the other day about tuning your frequency. Not that God has not forgiven you, but the Bible says that come boldly to the throne of mercy and ask for mercy, knowing that it is ready to be received. You know, but there's a place of um, not necessarily confession, but you know, if you're in the, like you said, therapy, if you're in a place where you feel like you're doing a couple of things and you need to purge yourself and say, God, you know, I know you're forgiving me, you know, 
let this you know pass and not oh yes pass I don't know how but I mean that's I'm just I feel what's the what's the place of repentance you know in that aspect again because we're coming from a culture where repentance has been defined as a sinner's prayer many of us think it's an event so you have to keep going out to the altar to make a repentance but repentance is actually changing your mind so repentance is given to us as a process of unlearning unlearning who you have always been and embracing who is unfolding the Christ in you the hope of glory so repentance is a beautiful experience when you understand it's actually that understanding of you coming into the form of Christ in you growing into the stature of his being in you right so it's about change of mind what is the, what is the mind that needs to change one of the minds that needs to change is, to the, is the mind of the lie that you're not forgiven. Is the mind of the lie that you're not you're, 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 you're full of blame. The Bible says you're blameless, innocent. I mean, I love TPT when it says blameless innocence. Now, this package, I'm telling you guys, we can't exhaust it. But I've studied most of it. And I can tell you whether it is righteousness, it's holiness. Holiness in this package that was written for you is already declared you're holy. Whether you are porn, now five and six, you're holy. The problem is how do you come into the realization that this holiness can become your consciousness to break the hold of that poem? That is the journey of repentance. So you're, you're unlearning in your mind the lies and free, coming yourself into freedom of your being. Right? Okay, we'll take two comments. For me, you want to ask a question too? You're good? I always will. Okay. <laughs> okay, I... I want to add something to what Ike, Chiko, Ike, and um, Honorable said. So, after you have received salvation, there's a part of your, remember what God told Abraham, walk before me. So, there's a part of your walk with God that is completely relational, is like a relationship. So, if God tells you or tells you to do something, gives you an advice in the morning and says, as you are stepping out today, go with this and this. And then for some reason, you decide not to. And then in, you now see the reason why he wanted you to do that. And then maybe something happened and all of that. When you go back to him, because you are in a relationship, he has forgiven you. But it makes sense for you to say, ah, okay, I see what you were saying in the morning. I'm very sorry. How do you remedy this now? You know, what can I do now? Knowing that he's God, you always have a way out. But it just makes sense as somebody who has love for a person to come and apologize, to say, I'm sorry. Sometimes God can want you to do something and then you don't do it. And then you see the fallout, you see the chaos. The reasonable thing to do for somebody who is in love is not just to go back and say, uh, yeah, see it now. Uh, come and reorder it. No, the reasonable thing is to... <laughs> Yeah, you wouldn't do like our fathers. You know, our fathers never apologize. I yes, you'll start to play with the person. That's they will never say I'm sorry. We are not like that. So it makes sense for you to say, I'm sorry. Next time I'll do better. You know, it's, it's not it's not so much that it's when you say that God forgives you. The idea is that it's just the relational and loving thing to do as somebody who is in a relationship with somebody. So that's why we need it. And it also helps you to be able to say the next thing. You know, if you have if you are very relational, it's going to be tough for you to ask for help without doing that thing. It's going to be tough for you to ask for help. So when you have done that, you can now say, Baba, like you were saying, you can boldly now say, okay, 
how do we fix this? So that's it's more for you than it's for God. You know, I love what you just said. There's a way people have taught salvation, right, that can produce two things. Either an overwhelming feeling of worthlessness, where you live paralyzed and forever trying to, God, every day. You know, all those songs, bara, bara, bara. Like, like they become your reframe. You're always just, Lord, Lord that mercy. Now, there is a part of salvation that some people teach that produces arrogance, right? Where people are just on, on faith and loved, right? On faith. Like, now, that in itself is also not. But I think that the beauty of the gospel is the humility of heart, yet the certainty of your father's love. But it's not, it doesn't take away that when you feel genuinely that you've hurt somebody, be the first to say sorry. In fact, sometimes we're actually told to be the first to apologize, whether or not you're wrong. What about if love is about to forgive us living together and trying to out-forgive and out-love themselves, right? Like, it's not about me waiting for you. I'm not like, babe, I need to talk to you, please. Um, you know what happened again? No, no. What about if I'm saying, babe, I really think the way I, I am sometimes can be overwhelming. I know I'm stubborn. I know that sometimes I get a little, a little, maybe just workaholic. Now, if you can say all of those things, right? Because I actually love work. I have that problem. I don't have a slow button. I love work. I love work. You understand? I know it refreshes me. I don't have tired days. You understand? No, that I'm refreshed by work. No, like if you want me to rest, give me work. So, but again, so when I meet people who say that, so I could actually leave, um, you know, there is, I won't go into that, right? <laughs> but my point is, you don't come to the person when they are saying something to you, you don't shut them out. Listen, sometimes they have the reason, they have the right to say what they are saying. You don't have to agree. It might not even be your truth. You understand? Don't say, another assumption, assumption. No, leave assumption. Just say, is that how you feel? I'm so sorry you feel this way. Again, I, we have to teach our people here. There's a class in marriage class which is language. We have to. We have one course: self-awareness and language. Some people have destroyed love for lack of language. Just simple apology. You say, "Is it only me?" <laughs> you understand? So because others are doing it now, you understand? So don't be mass production relationship. There is no mass production. Like just allow yourself to be vulnerable to the other where you feel like it but please give people that you're doing love with or doing life with the room to express their opinion without you picking uh, picking offense there is no need for self-defense just suspend your, your self-defense and receive it in love part of how we love people is to listen to them there is no loving without listening sometimes you don't have to have the answers still tell them I'm still processing this I don't know that I can give you an answer Adisa um, how do you forgive someone that doesn't believe that you've done any wrong. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I think forgiveness for us is not um it's not because the person asks for forgiveness or because the person acknowledges that they hurt you. We forgive because it's something that we've already received from God and we are doing that as an expression to show that we receive. So whether they acknowledge it or not, it's hard. But we are obeying God, not the person. So sometimes they will never acknowledge it. But because of your own self, because of your heart, to feel you and for you to move on, you just do what God has asked you to do and you move on. Any day they wake up, if they say they are sorry, fine. Okay, thank you for that. I, I think it's a very good one, valid, right? Because, you know, the Bible gave us a scripture, even while we're yet seen as Christ died for us. Forgiveness is not 
reserved for those who repent. Forgiveness is extended even to the unrepentant and the recidivist. You know recidivist? Are we done? Right. Okay. Huh? Okay. Guys, let's, let's um, pray. Um, let's just... Father, our hearts are tuned to you. We know, Lord, that even today you're stirring in our hearts to remind us of what we have received in salvation. Just whisper in your words, Lord, I have received your forgiveness. I extend the same today to those that have hurt me. I have received your love. I extend your love. I've received your mercy. I extend your mercy. I've received your grace. I extend your grace. I come into my awareness of the last name. Freedom has come. We're free in Him. We're saved. Restored and redeemed. Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our is a parent. He can reparent us in his love. To reparent us again. Reparent us into our understanding of our worthiness. To reparent us. To understand indeed that we are fully loved. We belong. We are not lost. We are not unworthy. We are not forsaken. We are forgiven. We are free. Forever. We are free. Forever. We are forgiven not forsaken we are loved forever loved you can log on to thetribelagos.com or email us at hello at thetribelagos.com follow us on instagram facebook and twitter on the tribe lagos god bless